So we'll continue with our discussion on, on sannyasa, summarizing, you know, the teaching of Bhagavad Gita. <coughs> we say that the first stage of sannyasa is karma yoga. Wherein there is realization of attachment. Second stage instead is Vividishasanya. This is my choice. As enjoying. So this is a, a special feature, let us say, of the Vedic culture where there is this lifestyle called sannyasa, which involves renunciation. So understand, Karma Yoga is performance of duties. So performance of duties also is sannyasa of one kind. And performance of duty does its job in terms of renunciation. And you say it in the morning, renunciation means letting go. of attachment and aversion. So performance of duty requires me to let go of my attachments, aversions or basically demands. All these attachment and aversion can be also perhaps understood as various demands. And so this is one stage. In as much as it involves renunciation or demands, it is renunciation. Performance of duties also is a renunciation. Lord Krishna in fact praises this kind of renunciation that the one who performs what is to be done, one who performs a duty without the demand for a reward. Because whenever I perform an action, I demand a reward. So one who performs a duty, meaning the action that should be performed without demanding the reward, he is a sannyasi. But sannyasi not in form, Sannyasi in spirit. So this is renunciation in spirit.
Whereas this is renunciation in form. What you call? Vividisha sannyasa. Where there is a certain formality observed, which is what we call vidhi. <coughs> Formal ceremony. So a certain ceremony is performed in the presence of the guru, in the presence of the teacher, who chooses this person and offers him this lifestyle which is called sannyasa renunciation, wherein certain vows are taken. So number one is that I give up all my demands. So basic vow that a sannyasi takes is the vow of granting. immunity from fear. You can call it also the vow of ahimsa. A non-injury, non-violence, non-injury. So what this sannyasi says, that from now on nobody need to have any fear from me. I grant immunity from fear to the whole world. So in fact there is a statement where it is said, O creatures of earth, O creatures of the intermediate world, O creatures of the heavens. That means wherever any creatures are, from now on you have no, no, no worries from me because I will not in any way compete with you. So is non so basically a sannyas is a non-competing person, non-contending person, a non-demanding person. When I compete, I become a threat. So when I compete, when I demand, when I contend, when I proclaim my right, then I become a threat to somebody. And even threatening somebody also is, is, is kind of an injury or violence. And so this is the vow that a sannyasi takes of non-violence. So it's a big thing, you know, not demanding. And so he gives up all his rights. He has no more any rights, no claims. <clears throat> Although this sannyasa is not much discussed in Bhagavad Gita, in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna has <coughs> not discussed much the giving up of actions. This step, the middle step, is not discussed much at all, as though Lord Krishna doesn't seem to consider it much necessary. What is discussed is this one and the third one that we'll talk about. But traditionally, and, and certain verses in the Bhagavad Gita do indicate this kind of sannyasa. For example, in the fourth chapter, Lord Krishna says to Arjuna, Tad vidhi pranipatena parit prashnena sevaya. Here Arjuna may seek to gain this knowledge by approaching the teachers, approaching the enlightened teachers. And you please them. How do you please them? Pranipatena parit prashnena sevaya. By long prostration, that is by surrendering to them. Sevaya, by serving them. 
Bhai Prashnena by asking them the proper questions. These three things. So number one, <coughs> salutation, prostration, meaning surrender, that now I place myself at your disposal. Like Arjuna placed himself at the disposal of Lord Krishna. Shishyasteham sadhimam tvam pravannam O Lord, I am your disciple. I am surrendered to you. Please teach me. <coughs> now this cannot be done unless somebody has taken sannyasa. This was the idea. Because when one then lives with the teacher and learns at the feet of the teacher, this is possible only when he lives with the teacher. So therefore, this was a life what we call Antevasi and what they call an inmate, these days they call it, inmates with the ashrama. That was an interesting, when I first heard this inmates, you know, I always saw inmates with prison, you know, but they talk about inmates of ashrama, you know, inmates of, anyway. <laughs> so, inmate Antevasi, those who ante, Antevasanti, those who live close by, you know, and so they are Antevasi, nah? and so living with the teacher, this was a tradition in India. The knowledge is gained from the teacher by living with the teacher. Even if it is knowledge of the primary and secondary school, whatever it is, you know, learning the Vedas, then also the students traditionally went to the teacher, lived with him for 12 years or whatever it is, however it is, how much, how long it was required to be, and learnt. And here also, one goes to the teacher, lives with him, serves him, and studies with him. And that cannot be done if one has the responsibilities to fulfill. Because the person, whoever is born, is born with what we call the responsibilities or duties. Vedas look upon a human being as endowed with duties. What is duty, as we say? Returning the favor. Because Vedas tell us that every human being derives, enjoys a number of privileges. He enjoys privileges in terms of having this gift of the body from his parents and his ancestors and therefore he is obliged to return the favor to them. He also, uh, he also receives a favor in terms of the knowledge from the sages and teachers of the past and the present and therefore he must return favor to them also. And also he gains the favor of all the gods, what we call the presiding deities namely the various elements of nature who also constantly serve him and therefore he must return favor to them also. So therefore this concept of duty comes from the from this consideration or from this awareness that I am a recipient of number of favors and therefore my life should become a process of returning this favor. For at least in my life there must be a place for returning the favor to all those from whom I have received the favor and I continue to receive. So that's the idea of duty came. And therefore duty is necessary in action which is done in the spirit of returning the favor. You know, I'm returning the favor, naturally there cannot be any demand for the reward because this is a returning the favor for the reward that I already have. So that I already have the reward. And in return for that reward, I am performing various actions to support them. I am being supported and my actions in return to support them. This is called duty. And whoever is born has these duties. To the extent that there are statements in Vedas which say that one should perform one's duty as long as one is alive. 
इवन उपनिषद से कुरन ने कर्माणि जीजी विषय शतम समाहा ईशावासे उपनिषद से दैट वन शुड सीक टू लिव लिव अ लाइफ स्पैन ऑफ हंड्रेड इयर्स परफॉर्मिंग वन्स ड्यूटीज एंड सो दिस परफॉर्मेंस ऑफ ड्यूटी वाज कंसीडर्ड बी एक्सट्रीमली इंपोर्टेंट इन द वेदिक कल्चर बिकॉज़ दैट वाज लुक्ड अपॉन एज अ मींस ऑफ वन्स इनर ग्रोथ और स्पिरिचुअल ग्रोथ because performance of duty always involved as we said giving up our one's attachments and aversions of one's demands and thus it requires me to drop my demands and that is how i become progressively a non demanding person so what we what is meant by purification of mind a mind that progressively becomes non demanding and therefore ideally a vivinisha sanyasi irnan series ideally a non demanding person and therefore the scriptures sanction that he can now renounce his duties because duties have done their job for this person and therefore he can renounce the duties that means that he can give up all his responsibilities because now he doesn't demand as long as he had needs and he was demanding from the world so long it was necessary that he must return the favor by way of duty but now that he does not make any demands from the world that he is absolved from the need to perform the duties this is the idea <coughs> in 6th chapter of bhagavad gita also lord krishna says yogi yunjita satatam atmanam rahasisthitah ekaki yata chittatma nirashir parigraha that is yogi this aspirant should always engage his mind in contemplation upon the self how should he do that arhasisthitah in a solitary place ekaki being by himself nirashihi without any expectation aparigraha without possessions yada chittatma with mastery or control over his body and the mind now these are this also description of this this person because you cannot live in a solitary place if you are bound with the family or the society you cannot be alone also and so there are this description as well as we'll see in the 18th chapter subsequently that in 18th chapter also there are several verses which talk about how an aspirant gains an abidance in this knowledge and thus even though the word vividisha sanyasa is not used in the bhagavad gita however the description that we find supports the this lifestyle as we call vidisha sanyas or renunciation of one's duties <coughs> but if you don't have any possessions with you then how do you even sustain your body for that also there is a provision that he can go out and he can bag his food from the community bagging is not allowed otherwise only one person no else two persons bag not one the brahmachari the student you know who goes to the gurukulam he also goes out to the community and bags his food and the sanyasi who has also gone to the teacher is also permitted to go to the society or community and bag his food bring the food feed the teacher and then he takes his food these days of course the teachers go out and bring food for the disciples that's a different matter <laughs> but those days the disciples went out and brought food for the teacher <coughs> and you know this is the a very important <coughs> phase in the life of a an aspirant and a seeker what does this person do swami when he has renounced all his duties what does he do 
Well, he has undertaken a greater duty. And now there is duty towards himself. So now, so far, your duty towards his parents and ancestors, your duty towards the gods, your duty towards the sages, all the duties having been fulfilled now, he has duty towards himself, which is also recognized. Like in the Kathopanishad, uh, in the story of Nachiketa going to Yamaraja. And Yamaraja, the Lord of Death, offering him three boons. And Nachiketa, in return for the boons, he asked for these three things. In the first boon, he asked that, May my father enjoy peace of mind. That when I came away to you, it was that the dis- my father was not pleased at all. He was very guilty for what he has said to me, and therefore I know that he must be very upset, very worried about me, very anxious. I don't think he can even sleep at night. And so the primary concern that Nachikara had was his father. That means duty towards the parents and family, you know. So that was first fulfilled. In second boon, Nachikara asks, Please give me that vidya, the knowledge, by which one can, give me the knowledge of the ritual, by performance of which one can go to heavens. Because he says, I know that the members of community, all of them aspire to go to heavens. So how can I help them? Let me have that knowledge of the ritual, so that I can share with them, and then that also that can help them to fulfill their desire. So these two boons are cast. Now when comes the third boon, then he says, he wants to gain the knowledge of the self. I have heard this debate, discussions among the learned people. Some people say that when the death of the body takes place, some people say that, well, there is nothing that is left. Body is gone, self is also gone. Whereas other people say that, no, even when the body dies, the self of the Atma does not die. And I want to gain that knowledge from him. So, there is a recognition that a person has a duty towards himself also. But very often, this lifestyle is looked upon by people as a self-centered lifestyle. Because the person has gone away from his family. So far he must have been supporting the family, doing whatever, performing his duties. And now he has walked away. Ideally, you must get the permission of the parents also. You must get the blessing of the parents also. You shouldn't walk away like that, leaving them, you know, starving or leaving them totally helpless. But then, at least he has gone away. And so people feel that he is a selfish person. Swamiji, suppose you were an engineer. Suppose you were this. How many people would have benefited? And then when you went to the ashram, then what? It's only for yourself. And so, in fact, some of these people also feel that, are we selfish? Because that's what other people tell them. Somebody was asking me recently. So this person wants to retire, he's retired, and then he wants to spend a life uh, in, in study. And his wife says, what are you doing? You are a selfish person. Well, if you work, then you can benefit the members of society. Do some social, even if you want to retire, do some community service. So he was feeling guilty. So I mean, is it right? Am I really selfish? I said, no, you're not selfish because you have a certain duty towards yourself also. And the self that this sannyas is pursuing is not the individual self. It is the self of all. And to the extent that is pursuing, he progresses in pursuit, to that extent he becomes a blessing anyway. And therefore, it is not that the community can be served merely by distributing food and blankets, but there are many other ways of serving. And perhaps 
a person being what the person is, a good person, who is a blessing to the community, even if he is sitting in a cave, he can still become a blessing to the world. And therefore it is not that these people do not contribute anything to the society. <coughs> but anyway, regardless of that, the Vedas do talk about this sannyasa, the Upanishads talk about them. And that, what does this sannyasi do? He spends his time, the only, only pursuit that he has, only agenda that he has is the pursuit of knowledge. And that is been done by Sharvanam, listening to the scriptures from the lips of the teacher. Mananam, reflecting upon them. Iridhyasanam, deep contemplation upon what he has learned. This is how he spends his time. And if you find that some preparation is needed in terms of preparing his mind, like what is required is Shamadi Shatka Sampatihi, tranquility of the mind, discipline. So if there is any lack in those qualifications, he works to gain those qualifications also. So thus, he is a spiritual aspirant, spending all of his time and energy in the pursuit of knowledge and whatever is required to gain that knowledge. <coughs> so this is the second level of sannyas. As you said, Lord Krishna does not talk much about it, but does say things here and there which indicate that there is this lifestyle called Vidisha sannyas. Although the Upanishads do talk about this, but Bhagavad Gita Lord Krishna's emphasis, tremendous emphasis on karma, on duty, and therefore I guess he doesn't stress much on this. <coughs> so this is second level. And the third, this is Vidvat Sanyasa, meaning renunciation by virtue of knowledge. <coughs> and that means one who has gained the knowledge of the self. An abiding knowledge, one who has gained an abiding knowledge of the self. And therefore, one who has gained an abidance in freedom. As I said yesterday, Atmaneva Atmana Tushtaha. One who is satisfied with himself by himself. <coughs> Meaning that one who has discovered that pleased the self. And in order to be pleased, he does not require anything other than himself. <coughs> there is a total self-acceptance. There is a total satisfaction with one's own self. And when there is an acceptance of myself, there is automatically an acceptance of everything else. When I am pleased with myself, I will have no difficulty in being pleased with the world. So here is a person therefore who is always happy. And so what? This, this, these two persons are deliberate. A karma yogi and this renunciate are deliberate. This person is spontaneous and therefore this is Vidvat Sanyasa. That is the spontaneous person. Lord Krishna talks about this. In fact, this is the two, these are the two things talked about in Bhagavad Gita. Karma Yogi on one hand and Vidvat Sanyasi on the other hand. So he is a wise person. He is, he is free. He is mukta. He is liberated by virtue of knowledge. As we have been saying, because the self is already liberated. It is not that I have to become liberated. I have to recognize that I am already liberated. And therefore, the recognition that I am always liberated. This is the Vidwan. He is a wise person. And now there is no description of his, of his lifestyle or anything. It doesn't, this person can be anything. He can be a sannyasi or he can be a non-sannyasi. So, in terms of lifestyle, 
there is no description. In terms of the characteristics of his mind, there is a lot of description. The twelfth chapter also describes in great detail his, his nature. Advesta Sarabhutanam, one who does not hate anybody, no dvesha for anybody. Maitraha, one who is friendly to everybody. Karunaha, one who is compassion for everybody. Samudukha, so Namitra Karunayavacha, Nirmamo, Nirahankara, one who is free from sense of any ownership. One who doesn't need to own anything. Nirahankara, one who is free from the sense of ego. I am so and so, there is no need for him to prove himself. This ego is required because I need to prove myself. I need to assert myself. This person is free. This is all bondage. The need to assert myself, the need to prove myself, need to declare myself and whatever, all of this shows some needs. This person being free from every need, there is no need for him to prove himself, no need for him to possess himself. All possessions require, they denote some insecurity on my part. Greater the insecurity, more the possessions are. And this person has no need to possess anything because he has discovered that security in his own self. So this is Vidvatsanya. And we will find description of this also. So in 18th chapter we will find description of all these three sannyasis, but more description of Karma Yoga and also of Vidvat Sannyasa. <coughs> in which we will also see the description of this other one, Vividisha Sannyasa. So this is the sannyasa taught by Lord Krishna. <coughs> the first six chapters talk about Karma Yogi as well as the sannyasi. The second six chapters talk about God, Lord and His devotees. The first six chapters talk about the identity between the identity between Lord and the devotee. So between Jiva and Brahma. So this is the the how the subject matter of Bhagavad Gita is organized in the eighteenth chapters. So there is a certain there is a certain uh, structure here. It's not that the eighteen chapters are just, you know, they're unrelated. There is a certain structure. And this is how the thought developed takes place. But as we said, the primary subject matter of Bhagavad Gita is sannyasa. The reason why we describe it in such detail is because conventionally in India, when you talk of sannyasa, they always talk about, think of a person in orange robes. The one who has renounced the duties. But Lord Krishna says, no, even this person, a person who is active, a person who is a worldly person that is living in the world, not worldly person, but living in the world, doing all that is required to be done, he can also be a sannyasi. And therefore, he is praised in more than one places. So, Karma Yoga, Vidisha Sannyasa and Vidvat Sannyasa. These are the three stages of sannyasa taught by Bhagavad Gita, by Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Okay. <coughs> so, with this background, now we can follow the discussion, the spirit of Arjuna's question, as well as the answer given by Lord Krishna. So, let us go to the first verse here. Arjuna uvacha, Arjuna uvacha, Sanya sasya mahabaho, Sanya sasya mahabaho, Tattvamichami Veditum, Tattvamichami Veditum, Tyagasya Jarushi Kesha, Tyagasya Jarushi Kesha, Ruthakeshini Shudana, Ruthakeshini Shudana, Shri Bhagavan Vacha, 
So the first question, Arjuna made a request to Lord Krishna. Please, I, I, mean, I want to know the tattvam, the truth of sannyasa, as well as I want to know, that is, I want to know the meaning of the word sannyasa, and I want to know the meaning of the word tyaga. <coughs> so, in a way, the question, there are two questions involved here. First of all, Arjuna, as though, wants to know whether this sannyasa and tyaga are the same thing or are they different from each other. Because sannyasa means renunciation and tyaga also essentially means renunciation. Therefore, in meaning they are, these words are not different. But in as much as Lord Krishna has used these words sannyasa and tyaga in number of places in the discourses in the 17 chapters, therefore Arjuna wants to know whether they are different, they have different meanings or what. Have these words been used in different sense or do they carry the same sense? That's one question. Second question is, suppose sannyasa and tyaga, both of them are, mean the same thing, renunciation. Then, tattva michyana vedukam, I want to know the truth of the renunciation. I want to know what renunciation exactly means in concise, concisely, I want to understand that. So Lord, please tell me also the truth or the secret or the meaning of this renunciation. <coughs> so in the reply, in the second verse, Lord Krishna chooses to reply the simple question first. Two questions are asked, so you have to choose which one to reply first. There is a, a rule in Sanskrit called Suchi Kataha. Suppose there is an iron smith, you know, there is an iron smith, and to iron smith you approach with a request to make a nail and then to make a frying pan, you know. So you have placed an order with the iron smith for these two things. What will the iron smith take of first? That little, he will first of all make a nail and give it to you because that's easy to do. Therefore, when we are given different tasks, we generally finish the easy task first. And similarly also, Arjuna asked these two questions, therefore, Lord Krishna answers the, the easier question first. <coughs> meaning, saying that, the, the meaning of the words sannyasa and tyaga. So Lord Krishna says, Kamyana, even though this is in the past tense, uvacha is in the past and said. So this is reporting to us something that happened in the past. But we should not look upon this dialogue as something that happened in the past. We should understand these verbs only in the present tense. Arjuna says this, because these questions will arise in us also. If we identify with Arjuna, then these will become our questions also. And really that is also the idea. The reason why the Upanishads and Bhagavad Gita and these texts are presented before us in the form of dialogues is to give us an idea of what is meant by Pariprasna, what is meant by that question that the student asks. If these become our questions then the replies given the teachers will become very relevant to us. If they are not our questions then it's okay, it's academic. So Perhaps for most people this becomes an academic discussion because it doesn't matter what is renunciation, what is sannyasa and what is tyaga. Because it's not important to me. 
But the 18th chapter begins with a question meaning that for a person for whom this is important to know what is meant by renunciation. So when that becomes my question, then the reply given by Lord Krishna would become very relevant to me. <coughs> it is hoped that even if it is not my question today, someday it will become my question. We keep pursuing this study of the Vedanta and keep trying to implement that in our life. Then, what are Arjuna's questions also will become our questions. <coughs> so, in the first line of the second verse, Lord Krishna explains the meaning of the word sannyasam. Kamyanam karmanam nyasam sannyasam kavaya viduhu. Kavayaha, the wise viduhu. Again, it's very interesting. In many places, Lord Krishna quotes what other people say. Meaning thereby that this is not a definition given by Lord Krishna himself. But whatever Lord Krishna teaches in Bhagavad Gita, in fact, is derived from authentic sources. So therefore, in many places we find this kind of, I mean, uses of these words, Ahuhu, this is what they say. Viduhu, this is what they say. Meaning the teachers of the past, or the wise people, or the scriptures. Although Lord Krishna does not require to draw authority from somebody else, well, he is the ultimate authority. And still he being a teacher, an humble teacher. And therefore, he also perhaps, sometimes the students are very questioning people also, and therefore they may not always accept the authority of the teachers. And so sometimes it becomes necessary for the teachers also to... Uh, to make a statement that, look, this comes from the authentic sources. And therefore, to validate what they are saying. <coughs> so, Kavayo Viduhu, Lord Krishna says, the wise people say, Kamyanam, Karmanam, Nyasam. Nyasam, renunciation of action. It's interesting, Nyasam is called Sanyasam. You know, Sanyasa and Nyasa are not two different things anyway. But, Kamyanam, Karmanam, Nyasam. What is Nyasam? Renunciation. What is sannyasa? Renunciation. We said in the morning, sannyasa, what is derived from these two elements, sam and nyasa. So, renunciation done very well is called sannyasa. So, nyasa also means sannyasa only. Renunciation of kamyanam karmanam. Kamya karma. So, different kinds of karma that we can perform. Different kinds of actions that a person performs in his day-to-day life. One action that a person performs is what we call duty. And duty is something that is required to perform. He is obliged to perform his duty. He cannot get away from it. The second kind of action that I perform is Kamya Karma, desire prompted actions. Meaning actions perform with a desire for a personal reward. Because there is also a need of the person. Therefore, actions also are performed. What do you call desire prompted actions? First are the duty prompted actions. Second are the desire prompted action, meaning actions performed to fulfill a given desire, a desire for getting a certain personal reward. <coughs> Third are the actions that are called uh, nishiddha karma, meaning prohibited actions, actions that are prohibited by the scriptures. What is a prohibitive action? Any action that involves violence, anywhere, wherever I will violate the rule, violate the order, then that is going to hurt me, it's going to hurt others also. So whenever order is violated, then it hurts. It may appear it first hurts somebody, but ultimately it will hurt me also, and therefore scriptures also tell us what not to do. 
Nahimsyat Sarva Bhutani, you should not hurt any living being. That's what they say. And many such injunctions are there of what not to do. And so, so doing those actions that are actually prohibited by the scriptures we call Nishiddha Karma, prohibited actions. <coughs> the fourth category of action also. And that's called Prayashiddha Karma. Prayashiddha Karma means action performed for atonement of some uh, error that I may have committed. The errors of commission and omission. Whenever we do something, there is likely that I might miss something. Or I might perhaps do something which is not proper. And so, there are this prayashita karma, or act of atonement, to neutralize the negative effect created on account of the fault of omission and commission. So, these different kinds of actions are there. Well, of course, as far as nishiddha karma are concerned, meaning, the ex- prohibited actions are concerned, there is no need to say that nobody should perform them. Nobody should perform them. But an ordinary person performs the rest of the karma. He performs his daily and incidental obligatory duties, nityanamiti karma. He performs prayashita karma also to atone for the mistakes that have been made or the faults that may be committed. And he performs also karma karma to fulfill his desires. That is a typical samsari. A typical person who is a, is a righteous person, but still, as we said, he is not a spiritual person. He is a samsara, he is a materialistic person. But a good person. Now he is being told, Kamyayam karmanam nyasam, renunciation of all desire prompted actions. Renunciation of actions performed with a desire for a reward, Lord Krishna says, renunciation of all such actions is called sannyasa. <coughs> so interesting thing is, what kind of sannyasa Lord Krishna is discussing here? That's the reason why we talked of three kinds of sannyasa. Which sannyasa is Lord Krishna discussing here? The first sannyasa. Because as far as the second one is concerned, what we call Vividisha sannyasi, one who has already renounced the duties, that means he has given up all karma. He has given up the even nitya namely karma, his duties are given up, the naturally kamya karmas are given up, all karmas are given up by the second one. And who is the third fellow? He doesn't perform any action at all. What do you mean, Swamiji? This Vidvat Sanyasi, the wise person, does not perform any actions. You know, one important thing that should have mentioned there is, there is renunciation of the sense of doership. It says, so renunciation of sense of doership. First, there is renunciation of the demands or attachment and aversion. Secondly, renunciation of all the duties and thirdly, renunciation of the sense of doership. What is sense of doership? That I look upon myself as an agent of action, that I am doing something. In the fourth chapter there is a lot of discussion on this. The Lord Krishna said, karmani akarmayaf pashyed, akarmani cha karmayaha. One who sees actionless in action. And so he is a wise person who knows the self is actionless. So when actions are being performed, Lord Krishna teaches that, that when even actions are performed, actions are invariably performed at the level of personality. At the level of the body, sense organs, mind, intellect, at the level of personality, the actions are performed. But the person, the self, the consciousness is always just the blessing presence. It is the witness consciousness which does not participate in any action at all. 
in whose presence all actions are performed. That discussion will come here also. So that is a renunciation of sense of doership. And therefore, in many places Lord Krishna has described this person as Kurvannapi Nakarodi. Even though he is doing something, he does not do. Kurvannapi Nalipyade, even though he is performing actions, he is not tainted in any way because even though he appears to perform the action, in fact he does not do. To the onlookers, he looks like he is doing a lot of things. From his own standpoint, he does not do anything because he knows himself as actionless self. <coughs> so that is the third level of sannyasa. Now naturally when Lord Krishna describes the sannyasa here, there is no question of the second one because he has already renounced all kinds of actions. And therefore there is no question of his renouncing merely a desire from action because he has even renounced the duties. There is no question of third person who has renounced everything because even sense of doership is renounced, therefore nothing remains to be renounced by him. And therefore Lord Krishna is describing a sannyas here. Of what category? The first category. This is very important to know. It's very important to know that Lord Krishna here, when he is describing a sannyas or a tyagya or renunciate, it is a renunciate of renunciate of the first level. Kamyanam, karmanam, nyasam, sannyasam, kavayaviruhi. If you take this literally, that means that Lord Krishna does not even accept a sannyas who has given up the duties. All that Lord Krishna says is, one who has given up desire prompted actions. That means what? He continues to perform duty prompted actions. He has only given up the desire prompted actions. <coughs> sannyasam kavayo viduhu and that is called sannyasa. As a result of many statements like this, some great scholars also have come to the conclusion that Lord Krishna is teaching Karma Yoga in Bhagavad Gita. Many people believe that Lord Krishna does not condone the idea of sannyasa. Idea of renunciation of duties he never condones. That's the conclusion that some people draw. However, that conclusion cannot be right because there is no way that a person can pursue the knowledge as long as one is actively performing the duties. Because performance of duty is an, is an obstruction, obstruction or a distraction rather to the contemplation of the self. Performance of duty is possible when, number one, I look upon myself as a doer, as an agent of action. So when I look upon myself as a karta or a doer, how is it possible that I can ever discover myself as a non-doer? So self is actionless or free from the sense of doership. And therefore, the doership must be relatively given up in order to discover the self to be absolutely non-doer. So therefore, the second stage, Vividisha Sannyasa is the one who has given up the doership relatively. And he pursues the knowledge of the non-doing, non-action, actionless self. So he discovers the actionless self. <coughs> so this is the description of what we call the Karma Yogi, the first level of Sannyasi. Kamyanam karmanam nyasam sannyasam kavayogiduhu So Lord Krishna says, this is where the spiritual life begins as we say. Spiritual life begins at the level of giving up the desire prompted actions. Giving up actions which are done with a purpose of reward, with a purpose of personal reward. And we'll discuss that further when we come to that. <coughs>
What is the meaning of the word tyaga? Sarva karma pratyagam, prahus tyagam vichakshanaha. Vichakshanaha, the learned people, same thing. Kavayaha, the wise. Vichakshanaha, the learned people. What do they say? Sarva karma pratyagam, renunciation of the result of action is called tyaga. <coughs> It's, if you see these two definitions, you know, you don't see any real difference between them. Means performance of obligatory duties. That is called Nitya Karma. It's interesting, you know, Lord Krishna says renunciation of desire prompted action is causing. Yes, sir. That means what? Performance of duties. Performance of only obligatory duties. That's all. That is not stated, but that is to be understood. That's a very important thing. Performance of obligatory duties and the exclusion of performing desire prompted action. That means what? The person performs only selfless action. If duty is understood to be a selfless action, as you say, duty is performed in the spirit of returning the favor. Suppose I borrowed from you a thousand dollars and then there is an agreement that every month I will return one hundred dollars for a whole, for a one for a year. Every month I give and give hundred dollars. And say, so come on now, give me something in return. That's not right because the hundred dollars are given in return to what I have. Similarly also, a duty is an action that is performed in the spirit of returning the favor. Therefore you can equate it to what we call the selfless action. So performance of selfless action or performance of duty. See, formerly they did not have to worry about selfless etc. because duty means that. So performance of duty or performance of action without expectation of reward is cause sannyas. And what is tyaga? renunciation of fruits of all actions. You won't see much difference between the two, you know. Renunciation of desire prompted actions. Meaning what? Renunciation of all actions which are meant to fulfill my desires. Renunciation of all actions from which I expect a certain reward. That is called sannyasa. And second tyaga is what? Renunciation of the fruits, many rewards. Renunciation of reward of all the actions. See, renunciation of... Now see, here, renunciation of action is called sannyasa. Here, renunciation of rewards is called tyaga. There is slight difference if you pay the attention. Here, one whole class of actions is given up, called the karma karma or desire prompted action. A whole class of action is given up. And here, no action is given up. 
What is given up is the reward of the action. It amounts to the same thing. Reward prompted actions are given up and actions, the reward of the action is given up. Technically what this means is, just for your information, for those who understand this technicality, is that even Kamya Karma also is performed here. Meaning, what generally is called a desire prompted action also can be performed. Because you see in Vedas, many rituals are enjoined to fulfill specific ends. Like perform Agnihota, Jyotishthoma Karma, so you can go to heavens. Perform Putra Karmaishti, a Yaga is performed so you can have progeny, you know, and things like that. So, here it says that you can even perform those actions as long as you are indifferent to the rewards of those actions. You can perform any action. So, this seems to say that only actions, other than only the duties are are the actions which bring about a spiritual growth. This one seems to say that any action can bring about a spiritual growth provided action is performed without the expectation of a reward. Again, perhaps to most of you it doesn't mean anything, but to those who are familiar with the, the Vedas, they know as we say that five kinds of actions are performed. You know, the, the Nitya Karma is performed, Kamya Karma is performed, Well, let us neglect the other ones, ignore two, two kinds of actions are there, primarily, the Prashtita and Nishiddha Karma we give up. So, this one says that only perform these actions and give up this. Second definition says, you perform, you can perform both of them if you want, but give up the reward involved in these actions. In both of them, giving up is involved and basically it is giving up the reward. That is the primary sign symbols. So, really speaking, the two definitions are not different and therefore the words sannyasa and tyaga essentially mean the same thing. But technically, because there is a statement in the Upanishad, Duhadarnika Upanishad, that the aspirants perform this yajna, dana, tapaha with a desire to gain the knowledge. And so, uh, uh, therefore, whether yajna, dana, tapaha or Tapasana, Shakena, all the actions are performed with the desire to gain the knowledge. So there is a debate there whether other actions can do that or not and the Kamya Karma also can be performed as long as they are performed without the expectation of reward. With no means Kamya Karma anyway, it just becomes Karma. The idea is no Karma can be called Kamya Karma or anything. An action is called desire from an action provided is performed with a desire, otherwise an action is an action. And thus this definition says that any action as long as it is performed in the spirit of offering, regardless of what it is. That means you can go to your place of work also. Because when, when somebody goes, you know, and does business, or goes to his office and does things, which are traditionally what we call the desire prompted actions, can those actions become also the means of spiritual growth or not? Swamiji, what about me? I go to my office, and every month I get a salary, I go to my business and I get this much profit and so forth. Is it possible that these actions can also become the means of my, can they be yoga or not? This definition says yes. As long as even those actions are performed without not keeping in mind what we call the reward. Suppose I am a doctor. Well, when I perform an action naturally the fees are going to come. 
But when I perform an action, it is not the fees that is the motivating thing, but serving the patient is the motivation. What is the motivation? And therefore, what are traditionally called karma karma? That means the actions that traditionally yield the... See, duties traditionally don't yield any reward at all. In India, for example, and everywhere, when the labor of division, division of labor is there, the man goes out and does the things, you know, and is a breadwinner, they call it. The woman does all the household work and everything, therefore, there's no reward for what she does. She's not paid any salary or anything like that, you know, and therefore people feel that she doesn't make any money. So she performs all the duties which do not bring any reward. He goes and earns the bread which brings reward. So these actions are performed to win bread, let us say. Can they become also the mean? Can they become your? Lord Krishna says, yes. The actions that are traditionally called karma karma or performed with desire for reward, normally they can also perform without attachment to the reward. Then those actions also can become yoga. This is very significant for everybody. Otherwise you will think that, well, Swamiji, we have to become a renuncius. Or we can only perform duty. That means I can't go to my place of work. If I now want to become a karma yogi, that means that I must give up my profession. What should I do? By this definition, yes. By second definition, not necessarily. Even when one is performing one's professional duties or performance, you know, then also which are supposed to bring reward. There also if reward is not the motivating factor, but there also the duty is a motivating factor, then that also can become the means of one's growth. So therefore, some technical difference is there between the definition of sannyasa and tyaga, but primarily both of them only mean renunciation of this reward, renunciation of attachment to the reward of the action. That's most important. <coughs> Thus Lord Krishna quotes what otherwise people say, and in, later he's going to say what I have to say also. In the beginning he used opinions of different people, and then he will say what is my opinion, what I have to say also. We'll continue with that. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Omanapunaha Ishvara Gurudatmeti Murti Heda Vibhavine Yoma Vadhyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantihi Harihi Om Sri Gurudhyo Namaha Harihi Om